Hi everyone, Earl at TheLogBook.com here, just letting you know that The Logbook now has a Puyen. Sorry, a Patreon. We have a Patreon. If you're a fan of the site itself, its ever-expanding lineup of podcasts, the books based on the site's content, or all those kickin' Kasatochi chiptunes, you can help us keep the lights on and keep cranking out the stuff you like by heading over to Patreon and supporting us either a little or a lot. There are plenty of levels of participation, and there are some fun goodies in it for you, too, no matter which level you choose. Just head to patreon.com slash thelogbook to see how you can help. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Ah, the late 70s and early Uh, 80s. The boom years of the video game industry. Thank you. And my game system was the Magnavox Odyssey 2. Sleek, stylish, futuristic, and totally underappreciated. Let's change that. I'll dig through the Odyssey 2 library, introduce you to each game, offer a few of my own expanded memories of playing them both then and now, We'll see if those games hold up today. Amazing. I'm Earl Green, and this is Select Game. (laughs) Welcome back, friends, to Select Game. Banded Memories of the Odyssey 2 Podcast from thelogbook.com. You may or may not have noticed that thelogbook.com looks a little bit different these days. <laughs> there are reasons for that that I will get into momentarily. Don't worry, it's it's good reasons. It's excellent reasons. You know, cyber leader, excellent. No one's going to know what that means unless they're Doctor Who fans. So, skip it, skip it. In the news. News fresh from the Midwest Gaming Classic, which was just a few weeks ago. PackRatVG.com showed two new Odyssey 2 homebrews at the show. The 50-foot-tall stalk of celery and incoming. Now, apparently... Incoming is going going back into the shop for a little bit of extra work before its release, but it is my understanding, as I record this in the wee hours of April 21st, that the 50-foot-tall stock of celery will be out either at the end of this month or early in May. So, new Odyssey 2 homebrew imminent. That's a good thing to be able to say in the news portion of an Odyssey 2 podcast, believe me. Now, you may notice that the show is a little bit late this month, and I'm sorry about that. I have spent the past six weeks or so battling this nonstop string of sinus infections and flu-like symptoms and... You know, I had an allergic reaction to one medicine I was given, and I had one eye that instead of... You know how your eyes kind of naturally sink into the sockets provided by your skull? I had an eye that was protruding instead. You know, kind of like that one episode of The Outer Limits. What is it, The Mutants? Except, you know, it wasn't the eyeball sticking out like it was going to launch itself at somebody. It was more a case of... 
you know, the skin around it was what was protruding. And it was, ugh, it was disgusting. <laughs> I went and looked in the mirror because I could, you know, I could tell something didn't feel right. And I was like, whoa, whoa, no, bad. So it's been a while since I have had a speaking voice. Actually, my voice is about to go out on me at any time. So fortunately, fortunately, I already had the gameplay segments for this recorded at the same time that I recorded the gameplay segments for last month's show. It's just now I have to record this part of it. At some point, I need to record an evergreen show to set aside and run in the event that something like that happens again. I apologize that I don't already have an evergreen show in the can. You know, for someone who has worked in radio and TV, to not have that perfectly simple precaution already in place is kind of ridiculous. Sorry about that. And, you know, maybe if I do an evergreen show and wind up not using it, then, you know, it just sits on the pile until further notice, or maybe at the end of the year the, you know, the Patreon people get it. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. <clears throat> However, Patreon is not the only way to support thelogbook.com anymore. There is a, a more extensive blog entry about this that I'll post a link to on the show page at thelogbook.com slash select game. But the long and short of it is that after six years of being excluded from the Amazon affiliate program, that always helped thelogbook.com be a self-sustaining entity. In 2006, in, was it 2006? No, it was 2011. 2011. Yeah, ugh. Yeah, 2011, Arkansas was trying to pass a bill requiring Amazon to collect state sales tax on any items shipped to addresses in the state of Arkansas. Amazon's response was to cancel all of their affiliates in Arkansas. Now, really, this was a pressure tactic. They were hoping we would all bug the state legislature. Well, you know, I don't exactly <laughs> have the ears of my state legislators, and they're not exactly known for listening to, you know, pesky, unimportant people like their constituents anyway. They're, they have other agendas, and that's not what this podcast is about, so the less said, the better. But the point is, it, all it did was cut you know, my legs out from under my feet and probably several other sites in the state of Arkansas as well. Now, since a federal law requires Amazon to collect state sales tax in whatever state they ship to, and I realize that not everyone is really overjoyed about that development, they have lifted the bans on affiliates in states like Arkansas and California. What this means is the logbook can make money again. The site used to sustain itself entirely through its Amazon affiliation. In fact, there were some points in the early 2000s where it was actually pulling a halfway decent profit once it paid its own bills. I'd like to get there again. Yeah, I know some people regard crowdfunding things like Patreon, Kickstarter, what have you, you know, as a handout. And I'm not going to judge you for that perspective. I can I can see where people would think that. This way, you actually get to get stuff that you were going to get already. Get, 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 he said. And you still help the site. Even if it's just a small percentage, you still help the site. If enough people get their stuff through the Logbook's affiliate links, 
then yeah, boom, suddenly the site is paying its own bills and that makes <laughs> that makes me much happier. Much happier. So uh, by all means, feel free to avail yourself of the the many many links for products available in the logbook.com/store books, games, DVDs, you name it. If you go to the episode guide section of the site, I am beefing up the number of Amazon video links available in that part of the site. So, you know, these old shows that I'm covering in the episode guide section, which is really the the most frequently updated thing on the site. Uh, I recently finished rewatching season one of the 1970s Wonder Woman series, so that's now covered in episode guides. And there are links on those entries for each episode where you can either watch that episode right now, or you can order the DVD, or whatever makes you happy, whatever you want to do. I am more than happy to take your money. Well, that sounded bad. The point is, you know, there are now additional ways to help the site, and you do get something out of the deal if Patreon isn't really your cup of tea. So that is very exciting news to me. That has a lot to do with the redesign of the site. The logbook has had the same logo, more or less, or really the same logo type in that microgramma bold extended for over 20 years. It hasn't really changed in 20 years. And I just thought... The logo by itself was not saying anything about what the site is about. The new logo does. It's kind of owning the the retro-futuristic aspect of the site. So, you know, the, the silly old TV shows that we chronicle and the soundtracks to those shows and the collectibles and, you know, old video game consoles that are silver works of art with membrane keyboards on them. It, it all blends into that retro-futuristic thing, and hopefully the new logo is a bit more iconic and tells you at a glance, aha, I kind of get what this site is about. It's something spacey and you know, maybe just a little bit cheesy. That would be an accurate assessment. So, hope you like the new version of the site. Hope you feel like supporting it. That would be awesome. I would be forever grateful. This month on Select a Game, we are talking about arcade ports on the Odyssey 2 and the fact that there really weren't any. Well, there was one. Philips itself licensed one whole arcade game for the Odyssey 2 library, which is one arcade title that they actually went out of their way to license and port faithfully to the Odyssey 2, rather than doing a near-beer version of it without licensing it which had gotten them into a little bit of trouble before, if you recall the episode about the trial of K.C. Munchkin. Why didn't the Odyssey 2 get more arcade ports? Why didn't Philips pony up? Well, these licenses were expensive. When you had Coleco paying really good money for second and third string licenses from Exidy and Universal, and, you know, owning their entire library. By the time Philips got around to saying, yeah, yeah, okay, we're going to license stuff, we're going to port stuff, there wasn't much left to choose from. Licenses were also not a guarantee of hot sales. You know, you could license 
an arcade game or a movie, and it did not necessarily mean great things. And, you know, I'm not going to say anything about you know, E.T. or Pac-Man on the Atari 2600 here. Oh, I just said it. And, you know, here's the here's the thing. You can say what you like about the, the Odyssey 2 library being full of near-beer games that are derivative of someone else's design. At the end of the day, Magnavox and Phillips own the IP rights to Casey Munchkin and Pickaxe Pete and Quest for the Rings and so on. And, you know, you never knew if one of these things was going to take off and be the next killer app and, you know, people going to buy a million Odyssey 2s. Now, that didn't happen except in the bizarro world. So, you know, you can still say what you like <laughs> about that policy. And, you know, here's the thing. Whether it was an effort to be cheap or an effort to be original, I applaud it. I, I kind of like also Rands and Underdogs. You know, instead of having an Apple II computer, I had a Franklin Ace 1000. Instead of having a, you know, top-of-the-line iPad or something like that, I've got some weird off-brand Android tablet that I dearly love. I'm okay with it. Even has an Odyssey 2 emulator on it. Which isn't that great, but I just thought I'd point that out because this is an Odyssey 2 podcast. So we're going to cover three games again this time around. We're going to cover Hubert, Popeye, and Pong for the video pack and Odyssey 2. Now, let's... There, there's a word in there that needs to be brought up here, video pack. Because the truth of the matter is, most of the arcade ports on the Odyssey 2... Uh, really weren't for the Odyssey 2. They were for the video pack. They were for the European market, where the Odyssey 2 was a bit more entrenched as the video pack in most of Europe and the Joe pack in France. Uh, these arcade ports were also available in South America, where the Odyssey 2 was simply the Odyssey. They did not come to the United States because the video game industry was in free fall at the time these things were published abroad. And... You know, I'm sure Parker Brothers, you know, took one look at the markets. <laughs> nope. Pong for Video Pack and Odyssey 2 is not a Parker Brothers game. It is actually a homebrew programmed by Rene Vanden Enden. And it's, it's one of these pesky Odyssey 2 homebrews that I happen to have done the cover art for. We'll, we'll get back to that shortly. I thought I would put in a mention real quickly that all three of these games, Cubert, Popeye, and Pong, you can find them in their original coin-op form at Arcadia Retrocade, 1478 North College Avenue in Fayetteville, Arkansas, the happiest place on earth. And you know what? They even have an Odyssey 2 hooked up in the back. There's a couch you can sit on and play it. I think there's like shag rug under it. It's, it's a time machine, man. Arcadia Retrocade is closed on Mondays, but they are open at least a few hours, sometimes a lot of hours, every other day. They have over 150 vintage coin-ops on the floor. Go check them out. I'll post a link to their Facebook page, which is really their their current web presence. And uh, you can check them out if you are ever in Fayetteville, Arkansas. You're not already coming to Fayetteville, Arkansas? Trust me, it's worth the trip.
So, that being said, let's break out some of this Parker Brothers goodness for the video pack, and let's go to the arcade. Okay, so, the credits for both of this episode's games are basically identical. The graphics were programmed by Gill and Nicholas Williamson, and the games were both coded themselves by Charles Deere at Amazon Systems. I'm guessing that's the developer that ported these for Parker Brothers in Europe, and obviously no relation to any ent any business entity that is called Amazon today, although you could probably order a copy there. All right, so we're going to start with Qbert. I say we're going to start with Qbert. Their intro level screen, their level intro screens, I mean. Unlike the 2600 version, the Odyssey 2 has a good enough. Oh, Al. Has a good enough eight way joystick that you don't need to turn this one at a 45 degree angle like you do with the 2600 version. Now, I am not maligning the 2600 version of Qbert at all when I say that. I really kind of like the element of it. Okay, so I've cleared the first level. It's really pretty zippy. This is a... really good game that I happen to be losing. Um, it's a pretty fast little Twitch game for the Odyssey 2. Oh, there's Coily. And I'm on the disc. Bye, Coily. Bite me. Oh, there's a green ball. Level 2 clear. I'm up to... I'm past 180 points. The bottom of the screen is set up like a uh, Challenger series games. Another green ball. Thank you, green ball. And lots of green balls. Lots of... Uh, if you're not familiar with Qbert, the green balls, if you jump on them, they basically stop everything else on the board but allow Qbert to keep moving for a little bit. Am I really going to clear this board basically unchallenged? Yes, I am. Okay. 337 points. Level 2. Okay. Now it gets tricky because you're getting into the, the racks that are... You have to change the color twice to reach the target color. So now I'll be on the board long enough for the enemies to matter to me. Yeah, come at me, Coily. Come at me, bro. Bye. And Qbert bites another one. I don't know how Qbert bites. Does he even have teeth? All right, Coily. Bye. See ya. Okay. Oh, something must have come through and... Uh, it's like Slick and Sam must have been through. I have a row of oddly colored cubes. But it is no matter... Okay, 506 points at the start of this board. Second board of level 2. 
Hey, Cubert. Wish you were this fast on all the versions of the game. The number of lives you have left is represented by a number on the upper left hand of the screen. I'm guessing that is either Ugg or Wrong Way. It kind of looks like Cthulhu. <laughs> Just not something you hear every day in a review of Cubert. 611 points. The Odyssey 2 joysticks are really well suited to this game. Come at me, Coily. Come on. Come on. Here, sneaky, sneaky. Dying time. Okay. I play a really sadistic game of Cubert Green Ball, and I missed it. It is no matter. It's going to be. It's probably going to be the name of this episode. It is no matter. 742 points. Good grief. It's like the other team didn't even show up for this one. It's better than that time I tried to play football. Don't! Don't get cocky, kid. Green ball. Oh, that, that is either Slick or Sam. It looks just like a green ball. That's Slick or Sam. No, that was a green ball. But some bastard's still going through changing my cubes. Stop it, seagulls. Yep. 860. Boy, level 3. Okay. Obviously, I could play that all night. So we have here Popeye, also programmed by Charles Deere with graphics by the Williamson Brothers. Oh wow, the uh, graphics are rudimentary. Let's be charitable about it and put it that way. Oh, bye Popeye. Now, in order to play Popeye on the Odyssey 2 with a cartridge, I had to buy at no small expense back in the day when I was gainfully enough employed that I could afford that sort of thing. Oh! And get killed by the big bad there. I bought a copy of Popeye for the Brazilian Odyssey console. What they call in South America the Odyssey, we know as the Odyssey 2. It's kind of important to note that because if well, there's no cartridge slot on a Magnavox Odyssey. You cannot even try to play this on a Magnavox Odyssey. The point is, it's the console had a different identity in every major region of the world. Sitting here catching hearts being thrown by olive oil. Um, not much of a threat yet from the bad guy. Oh, until there is. Okay. Oh, the heart's about to hit the water. Whoa. Okay. 
How many more do I have to get? It does not tell me. Oh! He got me. Now, the irony of this game is... The Popeye arcade game, of which this is a port, was originally designed and released by Nintendo. So you have here, on an official basis, a Nintendo game on the Odyssey 2. Or the video pack, this is, or the Odyssey, or the Joe pack, whatever you want to call it. For the right amount of money, you can call it whatever you want. Okay. Trying to remember what the Okay, there is a green dot that shows up and it moves randomly. And that is the spinach. And I need the spinach. I urgently need the spinach. Hey. Bye. Okay. What just happened? Oh! What just happened is I died. However, I have a score of 1110 points. That's really, uh... It's a bit of a rarity with any Odyssey 2 game. Okay. Kind of like Cubert, you could play Popeye forever. However, you would probably fall asleep first because it is not that exciting. Sorry. <laughs> it's a decent enough adaptation of the game. It's, it's a better one than you would probably expect with what the Odyssey 2 is capable of. However, it still falls quite short of the original arcade game. The, I, I would argue strongly that the 2600 version much more closely resembles the arcade game. There is more strategy involved. You can tell what's going on. And then once you step up to things like the ColecoVision version of Popeye, well, you know, then you're golden because it really does look like the arcade game. Well, that didn't take very long. So... <laughs> let's let's throw an extra game in there on very short notice on the spur of the moment and in keeping with our arcade theme I have here my friends from Packrat Video Games Rene Van Den Enden's Pong for Video Pack and Odyssey 2 alright hot Pong action alright oh it says it uses the voice really Got a nice little title screen, sort of intertitle. Squash. Really? Okay. It's Pong. I'll do it again uh, while I'm trying. Yes, dear, I'm doing it, dear. Um, <laughs> this is. You blew it. Yes, I did. Amazing. 
great. Really? This is really more like a uh, handball here, because there's only there's only one one paddle, one player, and so I'm basically chucking the ball at this cul-de-sac and trying to catch it on every rebound. Yeah, thank you. I've never heard that before in my life. Okay, this is as thrilling as run. you would expect Pong to be. Run! Run? How do I run in Pong? Hurry! Go for it! I love these canned phrases. Do it. Oh no! Oh yes! Okay. Well, so. Pong, everything you could possibly hope and dream it would be. Pong was Pong for Odyssey 2, although if you uh, look at the intertitle screen, it's Pong for Video Pack and Odyssey 2. Like I said, it was programmed by Rene Vanden Enden, and it was released by PackRapVG.com, and you can still get it. Now... <clears throat> The artwork on this one, obviously, being a homebrew, is not from the famed Bradford Advertising Agency that did all of the Odyssey 2 games contemporary with the system's years of release. Um, yours truly did the artwork for this. And it was kind of a trial and error thing because I turned in several different versions of it, not really, not really quite sure of what what was wanted. <laughs> I, I wasn't really sure how you illustrate Pong. And basically what I came up with, finally, after uh, a couple of other tries that were rejected, maybe I'll post those so you can have a giggle, because, you know, one of them <laughs> got the comment from, uh, from the former owner of PackRat VG. You know, the comment he made was, okay, why are the, why are the paddles hydraulic and why are they on fire? Why is one of them on fire? I didn't know. I was just throwing every texture and plug-in I had at it, trying to come up with something that sort of met the Odyssey 2 futuristic look, and yet also... <laughs> uh, I really don't know what I was trying to do. That was my first... That was my first game cover. <sighs> Memories. Anyway, there you go. Pong for Odyssey 2, still very much available from PackRatVG.com. There's some other interesting things about Pong. You can play it on a G7400 Plus video pack, which is basically the European equivalent of the Odyssey 3. The Odyssey 3 was a system that was prototyped in the U.S. There are several prototypes that have been found. Sadly, no one has ever sent me one. Not that I'm really expecting anyone to, because uh, they're worth some serious coin on the collector's market, I'm sure. But unlike the U.S., which canned the Odyssey 2 because Phillips saw the writing on the wall, the crash was in full swing, and they really had no intention of sinking any further money into the video game industry. 
In Europe, things were still going quite well, and so the G7400 Plus Video Pack console was released, which uses a grid-based graphics system to put colorful backgrounds on the games. Now, this would have to be specially coded into the game. You couldn't take an older cartridge and expect it to have snazzy background graphics. And in fact, a lot of the G7400 Plus games that came out and a lot of the games that were being piloted for the Odyssey 3 in the U.S., basically they are the Odyssey 2 games with these background graphics grids. Stuff like Killer Bees, Pickaxe Pete. It's a new coat of paint, basically. Rene programmed Pong for the video pack and Odyssey 2 to take advantage of that. And so it has its it has a very unique look if you play it on one of those advanced systems. Which must be nice, because you know, I just have a plain old Odyssey 2. I would have to use an emulator to see what it looks like on a 7400 plus. The other interesting thing, going back to the artwork, is you will notice that what I finally settled on was a robot hand holding a kind of misshapen, slightly futuristic ping-pong paddle. Now, the funny thing about it is, not long after that, Packrat contacted me to do the cover for Renee's next homebrew, which was called Calculator. The reason it was so named was because it was a calculator. You try to contain your excitement. <laughs> calculator was kind of an interesting tech demo, but there was a little bit of concern about how well it would sell as such, because, you know, there's only so sexy that you can make a calculator. And so I really went bonkers on the calculator artwork, but I used a... I was trying to hint that the robot hand you see in the calculator artwork is the same robot hand from Pong for the video pack and Odyssey 2 artwork. So, yes, the Rene van den Enden cinematic universe is populated by robot hands. Now, the inclusion of Pong for the video pack and Odyssey 2 was not really planned. <laughs> it was kind of an accident. Not not as much of an accident as the whole thing last month with the football cartridge. Which, still, no no one has a football cartridge to spare? I'm in trouble. But uh, I was originally planning to play the Parker Brothers game Frogger, and then I looked over at my Odyssey 2 shelf that I've shown pictures of before on the show page, and Frogger's not on the shelf, and then I realized there's not even a space for Frogger on the shelf. Where the hell is Frogger? And it, I kind of panicked a little bit because it, the house has been subjected to a scorched earth cleaning in the past year and a half, and I was freaked out that I might have accidentally thrown away this rare import game that I would be hard-pressed to replace. I am happy to report there is a happy ending to this story. I finally wised up and realized, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. I might have shown it at OVGE the last time I took an Odyssey 2. It might be in the box of my spare Odyssey 2. Because I have a second Odyssey 2, not the one that I have hooked up that you hear me play for this podcast. I have a second complete system 
that I keep in its original box to show at conventions and, you know, set up so people can play it. And it, I made sure it was also one of the detachable silver joystick models that I am so fond of because I have the trackball that you need that port to plug into. Talk about the trackball another time. The brotherhood of the trackball. But, yes, Frogger was, in fact, in the box with my spare Odyssey 2. <sighs> Panic averted. We'll play Frogger another time because there are other arcade ports to play on the Odyssey 2 or, or really on the video pack another time. You may be asking yourself, you know, why do you have a spare Odyssey 2? Like I said, I, I take it to conventions. This way I don't have to break down the one in my living room and subject it to, you know, the stresses of travel. But I have gotten in the habit of keeping a spare Odyssey 2 around because of something that happened in 1996. But you will have to listen to my other podcast this month. Don't give this tape to Earl to find out the skinny on that story. What happened? to the original Odyssey 2 that I got from my uncle. Here's a little spoiler. It's not one of the Odyssey 2s that I have now. It died a rather messy, messy death. You can help us out on iTunes with reviews and ratings. Help spread the Odyssey 2 and video pack love. Retweet this thing. Share it on Facebook. This is for the Odyssey 2 and Video Pack fans out there. If you know someone who loves these systems like you and I do, at least I hope you do, you're listening to the show. I certainly do because I'm sitting here gabbing about it endlessly. Uh, bring it to their attention. Bring it to everyone's attention. Spread the word. That's all the time we have for the Select Game Podcast. You can hear Select Game on iTunes, Stitcher, and ThrowbackNetwork.net. And you can also subscribe to the RSS feed. You'll find the podcast itself and occasional goodies associated with it at www.thelogbook.com slash select game. If you really dig select game, also check out the 365 day a year escape pod geek history podcast at thelogbook.com. And donations toward the site's upkeep and continued podcast production are always gladly accepted at patreon.com slash thelogbook. You can also support the podcast by buying select game t-shirts and other goodies at redbubble.com. Look under user The Logbook. Phosphor.fossils, a comprehensive timeline of the golden era of video games, including the Odyssey 2, can be downloaded at thelogbook.com slash store which is also where you can find the books I've written about everything from Doctor Who to Star Trek to Growing Up Geeky. Feel free to drop me a line at the Facebook page for thelogbook.com, via Twitter at logbookguy, or email me at earl at thelogbook.com. Select Game Expanded Memories of the Odyssey 2 is a production of thelogbook.com and was written and produced by Earl Green. Music performed by Kazatochi, available for free download at thelogbook.com. <laughs>